welcome. Welcome to church today. Welcome to Daniel's Idol Shop, uh, a place where you can get all of the idols, uh, gods, icons, talismans you need. Uh, If you have anything you need, please come see me. I'm a purveyor of everything spiritual and holy. Hi, sir. Welcome. Welcome to my shop today. Uh, My name's name's Dion. Dion, Uh, how can I help you today? Yeah, I've been married for 37 years now. I'm just really struggling to have kids. Yeah. Help with anything, or? Mate, I've got just a thing for you. I've got a God here, beautifully carved, beautifully made. Now, what you're going to do is you're going to put this up on a shelf, up nice and high, uh, put a little chunk of meat out for it every day, make sure to give it lots of water. Uh, it kind of like songs to so sing to it, and everywhere you go, take this thing with you. You'll have more children than Rob Stacy if you keep this oh, up on your thank wall. Thank you, thank you. There you go. <laughs> Kia ora, welcome. Come on in. Hi there. Hi, how's it going? Hi, I'm, I'm Daniel. Welcome to my shop. Hi, Rob. Nice to meet you. Kelly, how can I help you today? So, my farm's it's a bit dry at the moment. Oh, my true. crops have just uh, dissipated, mate. And, true. Um, really need some rain, you know. So you do, yeah. yeah, mate. Have I got the thing for you? Have you ever seen the rains down in Africa? I was down in Africa and I picked up this god here, handcrafted from the finest wood. Wow, mate. If you keep this up on your shelf, polish it, clean it. You got to burn little incense for it. It's got to. You got to make sure it's kept in a nice smelling place. You got to keep it dry, okay, which is good. Once you do that, the rains will fall. Your crops will be abundant. Just make sure to keep it polished and clean. Right. You got to keep it nice and dry. Make sure yeah. you look after this always, every day. Okay. You do that, you'll have beautiful, beautiful life, crops. Thanks, mate. Thank you, sir. Sir, hi, welcome, Kyoto. Welcome to my shop. How can I help you today? Oh, hey, man. Um, look, I've been I've been doing the music thing for a heck of a long time. Yeah. I just I can't seem to break through the market. I just yeah. after some, I don't know. You know, it's a bit money, fame, fortune. You know, money, kind of fame, and fortune. Three amazing things. Things that you should have now. What do we do for money, fame, fortune? First of all, for fame. There's nothing better than this sculpture of a bird person. This thing will bring you fame and fortune. You've got to keep it up on a shelf. Okay, again, this one likes incense, uh, a little bit of milk twice a day, uh, and make sure you keep talking to it and praying to it. But for money, uh, this one here is great for money. It's to bring in man- heaps of money. You've got to make sure to keep this up on a shelf. You've got to carry it with you everywhere you go. You've got to thank it every day. This one's good. This one's good. And the last one for all the fame, fortune, and uh, what was the thing on? Uh, money uh, and this guy here this guy here you got to keep him dry you got to you got to you got to thank him every day you got to feed him um you got to take him with you make sure you move him around this guy's really special so look after those and you'll be on your way to fame fortune and money all of them those who make idols are put to shame and confounded the makers of idols go in confusion together but Israel is saved by the Lord with everlasting salvation. You shall not be put to shame or confounded to all eternity. They have no knowledge who carry about their wooden idols and keep on praying to a God that cannot save. Throughout all of history, all peoples, all cultures have all been trying to visualize in some way and form for themselves God. So they can touch it see it so they can understand it. The invisible God, too much for our mortal minds to, to comprehend. So we, we scale him down to these shapes and figures. 
Mayan gods, Aztec gods, Egyptian gods, Greek gods, Norse gods, every culture that ever existed tried to fashion their idea or understanding of a god or gods out of wood, stone, precious metals, even the dirt and clay they used to make representations of God. They did this so that they could see it, they could understand it and comprehend it. Another way that they might even possess it, that they may own the God, that they may control it and they may bend his will to theirs. Having these gods and idols in your possession, that would bring you power, favor, fortune, or even just good luck. But they also brought a sense of stability, a sense of peace of mind. As Colin said in his sermon last week, these idols bring a sense of order and peace to the perceived chaos of the world. They believe these icons and idols bring hope out of darkness. Things are bad because we didn't serve our little idols, our little gods properly. And things are good because our little idols, our little gods are happy with what we did and what we gave to them. These little wooden gods that we place on our shelves to try and explain away the chaotic nature of the world that we live in, to bring some order to it, to bring some peace to it. This practice still happens today. There are shops that sell idol worshippers. Even here in Tauranga, there are shops dedicated to selling items and artifacts, talismans that bring you luck, fame, fortune, crystals, images of all these amazing, wonderful things, all with the promise of delivering you everything you've ever wanted. These shops still exist because people believe and truly put faith into these objects. That's how these businesses stay alive. They sell these artifacts because people still believe in these artifacts. And even here today, in 2020, these shops still exist around the world and even here in Tauranga. If you're watching this at home, if you're watching this at home, then you're probably relieved and proud that you don't have any of these idols or any of these fake gods or little gods in your house. You're pretty good. You're doing great. This might be true in one sense, but... Maybe if we just look a little harder, do you still have that old rugby jersey that you bring out every time the Chiefs play that you put on because it brings the team such good luck? And oh man, every time I put that shirt on, it reminds me of old days when it was back in the team. This is how we used to roll. Back in those days, it was so good. I'm going to put my jersey on because it's going to bring my team luck because that's what I do. Maybe there's a special item on one of your shelves right now that you look at, as you walk past, you see it. And it brings you a sense of joy, it brings you a sense of peace. Maybe even it brings you a sense of luck. What about that special chair you sit in, that comfy chair? That when you sit back and recline and pop your legs up, oh man, the horribleness of the world fades away. And in this special place, this, this wonderful sanctum that you've created, everything bad disappears. Maybe pair that with some beautiful images on a screen, happy images that make you laugh. These artifacts we have on little shelves in our homes. We put them there to bring us peace and comfort. And we look to them. In Bible college, we're taught to look at a text. And if words and phrases repeat themselves over and over again, then the author of that book is trying to say something. Back when the Bible was written, first penned, um, pen and paper were very hard to get. Ink and papyrus were ridiculously expensive and in very, very short supply. So if 
you were a writer of the Bible, you had limited space. You were limited to what you could say based on the amount of ink and paper you had available to you. So if a word in a text is ever repeated once, twice, or 14 times, then the author of that book is shouting to you something. They have seen it as more worthwhile to repeat these words over and over again than to just say them once. We're going to look at these passages in Isaiah and see for ourselves, what is it that the author is screaming to us? What is it that God is saying to this person? And how is this person saying it to us? Starting from verse 5. I am the Lord. There is no other besides me. There is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun from the west that there is no God beside me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does these things. Shower, O heavens, from above, and let the clouds of righteousness um, rain down. Let the earth open, that salvation and righteousness may bear fruit. Let the earth cause them to be both to sprout. I, the Lord, have created these things. Woe to him who strive uh, with him who, fo- who formed him, a pot amongst earthen pots. Does the clay say to him who forms it, what are you making? Or does it say, your work has no handles? Woe to him who says to a father, what are you begetting? Or to a woman, with what are you in labor? Thus says the Lord, the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, who formed him. Ask me of things to come. You will commend me concerning your children and the work of my hands. I made the earth and created man on it. It was my hand that stretched out the heavens and commanded all the hosts. I have stood up in righteousness. I will make, uh, I will make all the ways level. He shall build my city and set my exiles free. Not for price or reward, the Lord of hosts. Thus says the Lord, the wealth of Egypt and the merchandise of Cush and the Sibians, men of stature, shall come over to you and be yours. and They shall follow you and they shall come to you in chains and bow down to you. They will plead with you, saying, surely God is in you. And there is no other God, no God besides him. Truly, you are a God who hides himself, O God of Israel, the Savior. All of them are put to shame and confounded. The makers of idols go in confusion together. But Israel is saved by the Lord with the everlasting salvation. You shall not be put to shame or confounded to eternity. For thus says the Lord who created the heavens. He is God who formed the earth and made it. He established it. He did not make it empty. He formed it and inhabited it. I am the Lord and there is no other. I did not speak in secret in the land of darkness. I did not say to the offspring of Jacob, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. Assemble yourselves and come, draw near together, you survivors of the nations. They have no knowledge who carry about their wooden idols and keep on praying to a God that cannot save. Declare and present your case. Let the council together 
Who told you this long ago? Who declared it of old? Was it not I, the Lord? And there is no other God beside me. A righteous God and a savior. There is none beside me. Turn to me and be saved. All the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn, by my mouth I have gone out in righteousness and the word shall not return to me. To every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear allegiance and confess. Only in the Lord it shall be said of me, our righteousness and strength. To him shall come and be all ashamed who are incised against him. In the Lord, of the, in the Lord all the offspring of Israel shall be justified to glory. Baal bows down. Noab stoops. Their idols are on beasts and livestock. These things you carry are born and burdens weary on breasts. They stoop down and bow down together. They cannot save the burden, but go themselves into captivity. Here, Isaiah is talking about these wooden gods, these great big wooden gods that they have to carry about on these oxen and carts. These gods themselves have been brought into captivity. They too have been enslaved. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been born by me from your birth and carried to the womb. Even to your old age, I am he. And to the gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made you and I will bear you and I will carry you and I will save you. Here, the captured people, the Israelites and all the people from the surrounding areas who got captured by the Babylonians and taken into captivity had to pack up and put their gods on carts and take their gods with them because their gods could not save. To whom? Verse 5 again. To whom will you liken me? Make me equal and compare me that we may be alike. Those who lavish gold from a purse and weigh it out um, silver and scales, hiring goldsmiths to make it into a god. They fall down and worship. They lift it on their shoulders and they carry it. They set it on a place and it stands there. It cannot be moved from its place. If one cries out to it, it does not answer or save him from his trouble. Remember this and stand firm. Recall to mind your transgressions. Remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. From ancient times, things not yet done. Saying, my counsel, I shall stand and I shall accomplish all my purpose. Calling a bird of prey from the east and a man of counsel from far country. I have spoken and I'll bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. Listen to me, O stubborn of heart, you who are far from righteousness. Bring, I bring near my righteousness. It is not far off and my salvation will not delay. I will put Zion, uh, I will put salvation in Zion for Israel is my glory. I am the Lord and there is none other besides me. There is no God. This appears 14 times. In these two chapters alone, the author here is shouting aloud to us from God. There is no God other than God. The theme of God is the only salvation, salvation is graphically illustrated in these chapters. Those who have been um, 
depending on these Babylonian gods. They name them Baal and Nebo. They load their gods onto these ox carts and they carry their gods off. Not only were the people taken into, into captivity, but their gods were also enslaved. The worshipers, instead of being saved by their gods, had to save their gods. God reminds his people that he is the one who carried them even uh, before their conception in the womb uh, and into their old age when their hair is gray and old. He carried them. And he promises to continue to carry us. He is our maker. He will carry us. This is why I love going on mission. I love going on mission because that's where I find God. This is where I feel closest to him. This is where he is most present. I remember this one time when I was out on mission. Um, I was doing a pre-missions trip to Fiji. And so I'm at the airport about to leave Auckland. um, And I call up my guy in Fiji and say, hey, uh, Eddie, I'm about to fly. I'll see you in three hours. He's like, all good. I'll pick you up at the airport. Sweet as. I hop on the flight. Beautiful flight. Get out. Walking through. Turn on my phone. No answer from Eddie, that's all good. Go through customs, get out the other side. No answer from Eddie, that's all good. I'll pop outside. No answer from Eddie, that's all good. Hour and a half goes by. I'm sitting in the airport alone, out in the car park, looking for someone. I don't know who I'm waiting for. Anyway, this other pastor I know, Pastor Jackson, turns up. He goes, Brother Daniel, how you doing? Pull up, bro. And uh, we meet. It's great. I feel relieved. Right. Where's Eddie and where are we going? Oh, Eddie's not coming. Uh, we're going to wait. Um, his car drives off. <laughs> we're now standing together. We're waiting for this other guy, John. Anyway, another hour and a half goes by. John turns up. Uh, now me, John, uh, Pastor Jackson end up going in a car to hire a four-wheel drive. It's double the price than we were quoted, but I don't know what's going on. Um, I still can't get hold of Eddie. We drive to this other city. We pick up Eddie. Now I'm driving. It's me, some other dude who I don't know. They're asleep in the car at night in Fiji. It's raining. I don't know if you noticed or not, but New Zealand, we have these little cat eyes on the road. I don't know if you've ever appreciated those before, but they are lifesavers. They don't have those in Fiji. So I'm driving in the rain, in the dark, in this four-wheel drive. That's not Got a warrant of fitness <laughs> that I can tell. And I'm freaking out. I'm absolutely freaking out. I have no idea where I'm going. I have no idea the people I'm supposed to see. Um, I can't tell what's going on on the road around me. Um, I have nothing. I have none of my normal safety measures, my normal safety precautions. I have nothing. All I can do is pray. I am freaking out. So I pray to God, God, please help me. And I feel him and I hear him and he comforts me. And we are together. We end up four-wheel driving up this road. Uh, It's dirt up this massive hill to this village. We have a great time. As soon as I let go and let God, everything fell into place and everything came into sharp focus for me. This is why I love mission. I take teenagers out to these villages. Some of them cry when they see where they're going to live. These these houses are no more than corrugated iron just stacked up on itself. And this is where you're going to live for two weeks. I love going out on these missions because we're far away from our cell phones. We're away from internet and our normal safety things. We've also gone away from all the comforts and safeties that we have at home. Any little idols or icons or talismans or lucky charms have all been left behind. And we are now out somewhere where we probably shouldn't be um, following Christ. And he is there waiting for us. He's there ahead of us. On the missions trip, we are far away from our normal luxuries and lives and totally reliant on God. 
which is why I love going on mission, which is why I take teenagers on mission. But I want to ask you a question. If you are asked to go on mission today, what's stopping you? What's holding you back? If you are called by Christ himself to go and share the gospel, what's stopping you from going? What are the luxuries and systems and things that you've put around yourself that you cannot leave, that you cannot carry with you to go and share the gospel? If Christ was calling you today, go and do mission, follower of me. If he was saying that to you, what is stopping you? What is holding you back? What are the things that you carry with you? What are the things that you can't carry with you into the missions field that would stop you from going? to stop you from experiencing all God has to offer. What keeps you here and not out there? What systems and regulations have you surrounded yourself with that you cannot escape? What idols have you put down that cannot be moved? I love mission because it highlights for me all of the idols in my life, all my habits, all my routines, all the things that I have done in my life. I like my comfy bed. I don't like sleeping on the floor. I'm too old for that, but I go. I have things and routines in my life that bring order to my life. I don't like it when I go on mission because they're all broken and gone, but they're replaced with God. If people, myself included, choose to make their own gods, then they'll have to carry that God with them wherever they go. We put our little gods up on shelves and we keep them there. It's important to know that there is only one God and that wherever you go, God is already there. There is only one God. And wherever we go, he is already there before us. You don't need to bring him with you. Everywhere you go, he will be with you. I'm I'm referring to all the little things that we've put in place of God in our lives. Perhaps it's a job. Perhaps it's a house. Um, perhaps you can't go on mission because your house is just too, too nice, too good. Maybe you can't go on mission because your job is just so dependent on you. Maybe it's a loving relationship. Maybe it's one's own self-image. The pagans personalized all these things. They did this in little icons and images. Because they were seeking in their gods what we seek in these things. These are the things that give us identity, uh, a sense of meaning and purpose. Christ alone gives us meaning, identity, and a sense of purpose. I get it. It's hard. It's hard when you cannot see him. It gets harder in times when you cannot feel the presence of God. I get that, and I feel that too. I feel that we make images uh, to compensate for our own lack of faith. I put things in place to compensate for my own lack of faith. We replace what we cannot see with things that we can see, items that we can touch, taste, and hold. Those being our idols, and we feel we need to carry them everywhere we go. Isaiah points out that the idol makers have failed. Their promise, their statues, their figurines did not bring order out of the chaos and they have failed. The Israelites and everyone else from that region in captivity, they lost faith in God and turned to handmade talismans to protect their identity. And we think that God would be just and right to bring judgment down on these people because they put their faith in idols. 
but he didn't. Instead, God says, turn back to me. All of you who have made idols and icons, turn back to me in love. I am the Lord and there is none other besides me. Besides me, there is no God. God is telling us over and over and over, not in judgment and condemnation. I don't get the feeling that God is angry with us for this. I don't think he's upset. I believe he's the opposite. I believe he loves us. And he's telling us over and over and over again in love. He's telling us that he is the hope in the darkness. That we don't need to, to worry whether we have the right gods or idols or tokens or artifacts in our lives to bring us happiness and success. We have God. The one and only true God. And he's telling us to put our faith in him and him alone. He made us. He carries us. In him is everything we ever wanted and needed. In him is love. And that's what he's saying to us today in love. Of all the icons and idols that we make, maybe this one here, maybe this is the biggest icon that we carry. Because I go to people's homes and places and they have these up on walls and on shelves and on places that they keep. And they turn to it and go, oh, look at me, I'm good. I come to church. I come to Bethlehem Baptist on Sunday mornings and I'm good because I go to church. No, you are not good because you come to church. And no, you are not good because you hold the cross up on the wall. You come to church to hear about Christ so you can go out and share Christ with the world. That's what makes you good. This cross isn't what we worship. This represents what we worship, but this isn't the thing. We worship the living God who is, is above this and beyond this. But we hold on to these and we brandish these about like this is the thing. This is not the thing. This is the thing that points to the thing. But we hold on to these too much. We need to embrace Jesus Christ. Not as a token, not as a means to an end, but the end himself. He is what we are looking for. He is what we are searching for. In him is everything we need. I am the Lord and there is none other beside me. Besides me, there is no God. Let me pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you so much for your mercies that you pour out onto us each and every day. Forgive us all as we turn to these other things, things of luck, things of comfort that are not you things made by human hands that are not you, things intended to replace you, forgive us. Show us mercy and love. Help us to turn and look beyond idols stuck on shelves to the living God that is present. Lead us to where you are working. Help us to work where you are. Help us to be alongside you. Lead us, Jesus. Call us out. Break any chains and bonds of the comfort and the little world that we built for ourselves. Blow it wide open and call us out to share your gospel. Jesus, we pray, we need your Holy Spirit to send us out. We ask these things in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.